0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, now on the C-Suite Network. And I am excited today because Martha Brook, Is going to be in the house so to speak we'll be calling her up in just a little while and we will have an interview uh, with martha she is an expert in measurement how experiences can be measured how you can improve When you measure properly, you have to know the questions to ask the right way. Oh, there's so much we're going to talk about. It's going to be great. We're going to talk a little bit about voice of the customer. I want to get her take on my favorite, uh, you know, I've talked about it and I've had a couple of guests on it, the NPS concept. So I thought for my little monologue to get things started, uh, I talk about sharing the importance of knowing where you can improve, and this is a powerful concept, to know where the opportunities are and how do you find out those opportunities if you're doing a good job you need to ask your customers so first and foremost uh, recognize that customers are not likely to tell you if there are going to be problems there's numerous studies that talk to you about how customers don't complain Uh, the first one that i saw which i think the numbers are actually still pretty valid came from years and years ago the technical assistant research program TARP, as it's called, which was commissioned by the White House Office of Consumer Affairs. Uh, they did uh, an incredible study that I think is still very valid. They found that the average business only hears from 4% of unhappy customers. And now, by the way, we're talking about complaints, complainers, um, and and I think we we need to hear about every uh, circumstance, not just complainers. But anyway, the average business only hears from 4%, which means that 96% of people who have a complaint, don't complain to the people they should be complaining to. They may complain to their friends, their family members, their colleagues at work, but they're not complaining to the companies they do business with. Now, as I mentioned, that study was conducted years ago, and current independent studies are showing similar findings, which is kind of scary. I would think most companies are are doing a better job of finding out what their customers want, but here's the thing. They are doing a better job. They're going out proactively and asking questions. However, they're still, if they're not asking all of their customers, the customers are not talking to a huge percentage. And it's probably in that 90 to 96% uh, level are not talking to the businesses when they have a complaint. Your ultimate goal should be to try to find about problems uh, related to customers. But how about just find about, find out about how you're doing? I mean, just find out if you're doing a good job find out if the customer's happy find out why they're happy and that's super important as well so how do you do it well you can call the customer you can survey them you can you know hope they send back a satisfaction survey i think one of the best ways is to actually ask them direct if you have a chance if you have the phone number if if you can communicate with them quickly even via email with a quick quick little question and you can start off with an nps type question you know, on a scale of 0 to 10, what's the likely you'd likelihood you'd recommend this? Or perhaps uh, there's another uh, specific thing you'd like to find out on your most recent interaction with our customer support people. Uh, how would you rate the uh, person who took care of you on a scale of 1 to 10? And make sure you identify that 1 is, you know, really unhappy versus 10, which is, love this person, wish they worked for me. Okay, maybe you don't say it quite that way, but anyway, I think it's really important that you find out if you're doing a good job. Find out if there's a complaint or a problem. Jump on that complaint or problem and fix it as quickly as possible, and recognize that if you are not proactively finding out if you're doing a good job or there's somebody upset about the job that you're doing, these people today not to just talk to their friends and their colleagues. They go on social media. They go on Facebook. They go on Twitter. They start getting on social media and broadcasting to the world about the experiences that they're having with you. Now, by the way, you'll get the evangelists that love who you are, and they will evangelize you by going on these same social channels and saying how great you are. And that's fantastic, but what I want you to try to avoid is the one that doesn't say great things for whatever reason. And that may be such a tiny, little, small, insignificant uh, number of your customers, but even if there's one or two, or a hundred and two, or thousands, and it's still a tiny percentage of who your customers are, you need to be addressing these issues. And when you find out what the things are that are making a customer upset, and if you happen to notice that there's a pattern that other customers say the same thing, Do what you can to mitigate it. Do what you can to even eliminate it. And conversely, if you hear the same positive comments happening over and over again, why aren't we hearing more of those positive comments from everyone? And maybe uh, we need to make sure that we're more purposeful with the things that our customers love that we're doing. And, and, and that's what finding out what your customers think about you, uh, that's what it's all about. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to, to Martha Brooke, who's the chief customer experience and analyst and, F- analyst and founder of Interaction Metrics. And we're going to talk about uh, great questions to ask, measurement, all types of things related to what you need to know to be amazing for your customers. This is Shep Hyken. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you an amazing interview, and today we have Martha Brooke, the Chief Customer Experience Analyst and founder of Interaction Metrics. And uh, let me give you a little background on Martha. We're going to be talking about interaction, interaction Metrics. Don't be afraid of that, that term. Interaction metrics, it's actually going to be fascinating. I've been talking to Martha, and she says, we're going to have a great time, and I promise you we will. We're going to learn a lot. But Martha thinks about the customer experience a little bit differently. She feels experiences can be measured, and measuring is how you improve, but only if your measurement is sufficiently nuanced. So to spread her ideas about metrics to companies everywhere, Martha founded her company back in 2004. That's Interaction Metrics, and they provide uh, customer feedback uh, and rigorous customer service evaluations for their clients. And they have an incredible list of clients. I was looking at this. She works with, oh, a small brand like Adidas. That's a fairly small brand. We haven't heard of them, have we? No, but she, <laughs> she works with people all over, <laughs> all over the country. And uh, she is a certified uh, black belt Six Sigma. Uh, that, that's a big deal by the way. And so Martha, just basically, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Shep.
0: Well, we've got a lot to talk about, but let's start with this. Uh, you've worked with some great companies like Adidas and uh, the, you know, and uh, Company Service Association at the Harvard Club, uh, Customer Solutions Expo, and other great associations. Give us a little background on yourself, how you got into this, and then we'll get into some uh, really important questions. I want to talk about voice of the customer programs. That has been a hot phrase or buzzword for, gosh, several years now, and I'd like to hear what your take is on that, and uh, I want to talk more about how you measure and do it with uh, with sufficiently nuanced measurement.
1: <laughs> okay. Sounds good, Shep. Um, yeah, let me give you the 10-second personal Martha story about how I got into this business. First, I had a career in customer service operations and customer loyalty programs, worked for two.coms, food.com, and lucy.com. Uh, and then that that uh, turned into work for Nike and Adidas. And, and then I really saw a hole in the market, ship for serious customer experience measurement. So looking at um, both the customer service evaluation side of the business and the customer feedback side of the business. So both seemed absolutely crucial to run these programs with serious, nuanced metrics. Um, And when it's a great experience, Shep, I feel like, wow, it made the next hour of my life better, and sometimes even the next day of my life better. And when it's a bad experience, it feels like, or that I wasn't listened to by a company, it feels like it makes the next hour of my day just a little bit worse. Having great experiences, and I wanted to bring a high level of experience to the world and, so like, there was sort of the career motivation and seeing the hole in the market profit motivation, but there was also the personal motivation for founding Interaction Metrics. And like you say, that was back in 2004. So, um, so that was, it's, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, it hasn't been that long. And I mean, the fact that you're only 30 years old, I don't know how you could start something like that in your teenage years. Especially <laughs> yeah, after yeah, yeah, the I, storied I, career that you've just given us. Uh, working yeah. with some great brands. <laughs>
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we've been working with the care credit arm of GE. Now they're actually owned by Synchrony Financial for uh, 10 years or so. Um, Konica Minolta, a really interesting robotics company called Yaskawa. So what unites our companies is uh, that they're really serious about measuring and improving the customer experience.
0: Wow. Well, this is great. So uh, we're going to jump into it. Um, I get what you do. Tell us. Oh, oh you know, what? I just have to ask one. Give me the definition of what, you know, you consider nuanced measurement.
1: Uh, sure. So it would be looking beyond. Do You know, how people talk about net promoter scoreship. Mm
0: hmm. And I want to, and, yeah. I, and I'm thinking as you're talking to me, I'm thinking I need to ask you, and we'll get into that in a little while. But I do want to ask you. I've written it down. Your feeling about the Net Promoter Score, because that's a pretty broad uh, measurement, and it's one of my favorites. We've had people on the show talking about it before, so you know I love to talk about that.
1: Okay, so well, let's maybe circle back on that, but let me set up what nuanced Metrics is in contrast to that. So, um, n- Net Promoter Score is what we call an outcome metric, right? It's after your stay at the hotel, are you likely to recommend or not?
0: Um,
1: After your rental car, are you likely to recommend or not? Um, So it's one input with one output. It's very, very simple. And we'd say it can be an indicator, but it doesn't really get into what's going on with the experience why would you get the net promoter score that you're getting what could you do to improve that net promoter score are you really reinforcing your brand through your experience it doesn't get into the nature of customer experience at a sufficient depth to actually be actionable so nuance is like bringing it down nuance is bringing it down many levels so that you know exactly what's going on, so that you can make very uh, very precise changes, so that you can actually transform the experience, so that you can move it from a C to an A, so that you can move it to, from a 3 to a 1, from a 60 to a 100, right? Right. So it's really – it's, it's, it's um, more of a tool as opposed to just sort of a simplistic indicator.
0: So it sounds like, and I, I love this concept, uh, for example, a hotel might look at 700 different points that they want to measure and make sure uh, they're doing a good job in all these different areas, from the interaction that somebody might have with a, an employee to cleanliness to housekeeping to the way the bed is made. I mean, there's so many different little areas and I use the number 700 because one of my clients had a survey where uh, they had a mystery shopper come in and evaluate 600 points. And recently, a client had a survey with 900 points of evaluation on it. And they're looking to see, you know, how do they do in each one of these little areas and could they – I mean, that's, that's a lot. But that's what we're talking about, really getting down into the nitty-gritty, digging deep.
1: Exactly. Exactly, Chef, because that's where you can make change. Right. right? You can't really, you don't know, so, you, so they're recommending you, like, what, there's nothing you can do to change there. But when you get into, eh, the sheets just weren't starched as much as I would like, well, add some starch. You know what I mean? So, so when you're at the nitty-gritty level, you can make change um, and transform the customer experience. Right. So, so you, that's you go the deep. power yeah. of this nuance. Now, we go even further, Chef. So, we'd say it's not just about those 600 points or 900 points or 250 points, we'd say we'd layer on two other things. It depends on the customer, right? So every customer is having their own experiences. third of customer is having a different experience than the shy customer, the informed customer, different than the novice customer, right? So different customers are having different experiences. So that needs to be taken into account through the statistical analysis. And the other is that it's not all equal, so those 700, 900, 250 points, 1,000 points, whatever it is, for the customer, some are more important than others, right. right? The cleanliness of the room for somebody like me, who is slightly OCD, <laughs> it really matters. That's a very weighted, as opposed to like, well, did I get a good greeting, or did they say thank you? or the, I, I don't, It doesn't really matter that much. But every customer is a little bit different. So you want to take that into account so ideally each customer has their own score so that you can segment by different customer personas, but layered on top of that is we work in what is most and least important to each customer so that it really is a very, very actionable kind of score.
0: Great. Great. So the nuance is fascinating. We get back in we, – we, we dig deep. Now, I would say that a clean room is going to be important to everyone – some people uh while you are as you say ocd you know i'm probably the right, same okay. way well, well,
1: well, 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 okay. but but nobody <laughs> wants to find
0: nobody wants to find a dirty glass dirty towels and a cockroach in their room i mean there's standards <laughs> so we get that but right. i do understand that you know some people walk in and they love the greeting they love being recognized they love being appreciated while others just kind of want to get in and get you know it's quiet so i get that um it, it, but at the end of the day you can look at all of these touch points, and again, it is depending upon the customer, but at least you've identified the points that you'll want to measure. And from there, you could take it to the different directions based on different feedback and, and personalization that you might be able to create for your customer.
1: Exactly, exactly. So it's all about really making efficient, profitable change and knowing where which levers to move.
0: All right, so let's talk about voice of the customer briefly. Um, I know that that's a big area of yours and uh, I want to hear your take on it, your spin on it. It's been a hot, hot term bantered around for the last few years, voice of the customer. So what does it mean?
1: Okay, so it's it's the listening posts, it's the feedback cards, it's the surveys, it's the customer interviews. It's learning how your customers, prospects feel and think about you Um, and the right voice of the customer programs are accurate facts and they give you actionable facts that help you strengthen your customer relationships. So both accurate facts and actionable facts. So they have to be sufficiently nuanced that you can actually make change and they have to be scientific. It has to be accurate. So all too often we see this sort of like sample of one or you know, or surveys done in in ways that um, are highly biased or questions that are asked in ways that are highly leading. So you're not really getting the voice of the customer. You're getting the voice of the customer through all kinds of filters and biases and distortions. So if you can get accurate facts and actionable facts, the voice of the customer's program is really important because it's how you're learning What is going to give you that better relationship with the customer?
0: Right. I think in so many of those questions that are asked that you claim could be leading or biased, that's really a function of having somebody who really understands how to create a questionnaire, write the right questions, recognize what to measure. And at a really high leadership level, we talk about how CEOs or anybody at, at the super high leadership level needs to understand that as you get this data, it's not accumulating Tons of data that's important. It's knowing what part of that data is relevant and useful for you to use. And 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 part of that is just knowing the right questions to ask in the right way.
1: I yeah, I think that's a great point. Here's the thing: like Survey Gizmo, Survey Monkey, they're really good software platforms. We use them ourselves. They're great, and there there are at least half a dozen other great survey platforms. But the problem is that all too often companies just sort of grab and go, cut and paste with their questions, and don't spend enough time thinking of our customers, our industry, our company. So the integrity of the questions really matters.
0: Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, the you know it, it's all going to be backed up with the right people asking the right questions. I'm looking at the clock. I want to take a short break because uh, we have so much more I want to talk about. When we come back from the break, we'll give everybody a breather. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, your listening study, your customer listening study. I want to get your take on net promoter score, and then uh, we'll see how much time we have because there's so much more that I want to ask you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Martha Brooke talk about, oh, all types of measurement techniques, the importance of questions, voice of the customer. We have a lot more, so don't go away. We'll be right back. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost. Comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital.
1: This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
0: We're back talking with Martha Brooke, the Chief Customer Experience Analyst and Founder of uh, Interaction Metrics. And we're going to talk about the customer listening study. Now, uh, Martha came up with this customer listening, st- listening study that evaluated the quality of the top Uh, retailers' customer satisfaction uh, surveys. And these are companies like uh, Apple, Target, and Walmart. And what uh, her study indicates is that the top retailers, are you ready? And and I'm going to quote this. They are collecting largely inaccurate data and are failing to use their surveys to engage their customers. Now, when I hear that, I go, how can these big companies be making a mistake like that? But, Martha, you're going to tell us. So uh, talk to us about this customer listening study.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chip. Um So so this summer, uh, a, a few of my analysts and I were, were just kind of talking about our latest retail experiences and what was going on in the survey world. And it suddenly occurred to us, you know, wouldn't it be great to do a study that evaluates the quality of these surveys? Um, because we all at the end of our invoice, whether it's from the Gap or Kohl's or Target or Walmart, we see this, like, would you take our survey, and maybe it's like enter a chance to win $5,000 sweepstakes or whatever it is, and we thought, huh, wouldn't it be great to study these? So, um, we working off the National Retail Association's uh, list of top retailers, uh, we chose the top 50 and um, went in and got their surveys and took their surveys and uh, recorded all the information and then we evaluated it to see based on 15 points of objective criteria how good were these surveys and what we mean by good is were they co- collecting accurate data and were they were they engaging their customers and what we found was no and no so wow. um with 23 questions on average the surveys were excessively long sometimes shep longer than the interaction itself. So when you think of top retailers, remember that's also Burger King and McDonald's. These are two-minute interactions and some of these surveys were just excessively long. Sometimes, uh, like in the case of Nordstrom, the, the retailer we'd say most known for customer service and really very good with customer service in many ways, they stated their survey would take two minutes, but with 25 questions, it took closer to four to five minutes, so it's a little bit misleading, you know, setting an incorrect expectation, not being engaging through setting an incorrect expectation, excessively long. These are not ways to connect with and demonstrate your brand through the customer, customer survey. Um, and then we get, so that's the connection part of it, or part of the connection part of it. And then there's the data part of it. Are these good questions? And what we mean by that is, is it it a question that that avoids any kind of biased or leading wording? So how clean are these questions? Um, And what we found is that 32% of all the questions were leading customers to give the answers that companies want to hear. Again, 32% of all of the survey questions were leading customers to give particular kinds of answers. Positive That's amazing. Answers, to I, me. might add. I mean
0: that blows my mind and and they're not getting real answers. And by the way, you hit a point and it drives me crazy. I have a great experience with you, then you send me the survey and I want to take it cuz I want to tell you how great it is. And then about 3 or 4 minutes into the survey, I look down, I see I'm only 6% of the way through and I'm going, "Oh no, I'm done. I'm checking out." And that aggravates me. And then you want to know what happens after that since I didn't complete it. What do you think happens 2 days later? I get another email asking me to complete it, reminding me of the lousy experience I just had with your brand. You've taken a great experience and eroded it with a, with a, uh, a, a bad survey experience. So, uh, I, I mean, that's, that's part of what you're getting at. And the other part of it is these people or these companies are asking the wrong questions. And if they are asking even the right questions, they're asking them the wrong way.
1: Exactly so Family Dollar had 69 questions on their survey 69
0: 69
1: questions. questions 29 of which were leading.
0: Wow give me an example so, so, yeah. of a leading question
1: Oh so, so it would be um, uh, uh, how satisfied were you how satisfied were you on a scale of, of one to five? Mm-hmm. Well, you're already assuming the customer is somewhat satisfied. Oh, actually, that's a great segue into Net Promoter Score. Many of them did the how likely to recommend us to a friend or colleague. Um, since they're retail, it's mostly how likely are you to recommend us to a friend? Mm-hmm. Well, that you're at least somewhat likely to recommend.
0: Wow. Yeah, because the way you're, you're right? phrasing the question in such a way as you know how likely are you to recommend, you're already implying right. you are going to recommend. Exactly. Uh, you know, and and that's boy. You're, now you're you're like taking down the whole NPS score. Thing. <laughs> the question.
1: <laughs> no, but I no, think when, no, when look, you, there are some great things about NPS right. and some not so good things about NPS. But that's you know, an example that I think we can all relate to because we've all seen that question. So when you're asking me what's an example of a leading question, I I think that's a great. I, I hope that's a great example yeah. because well, we've all been so exposed to that question.
0: Right here, here's what I'm thinking. On a scale of one to ten, how hard do you hit your wife, sir? Okay, it, it's like <laughs> well, well, you're implying that I hit my wife, What well, don't right. you? You know, but no, but I get it. I get it. So the, the, you've got to be careful that as you're phrasing a question, the implication is not uh, overtly. I'm not going to use the word obvious, but it's not so overt that it 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 jades the answer because of an assumption that's made, so if that makes sense right. to me
1: right exactly and then but there are also other things like faulty scales that's ways of collecting inaccurate information, so at one end of the scale might be um you know pretty good, and at the other end of the of the scale is outstanding. Well, what about it was just sort of like okay.
0: Mhm. It, it could have been so terrible. So
1: some, sometimes the yeah, right. So sometimes the scales were off. Sometimes um sometimes there were uh one thing we always test for a double-barreled question. So was the um was the associate informative and efficient?
0: Two which? Totally so different say, things, right.
1: Yeah. So so you're just getting inaccurate information because you don't know what you're what the customer is answering about—were they informative or, you know, they're almost actually total, not just different—they're almost opposite. Right,
0: right, right. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, how the questions are leading the right questions. We've talked a little bit about NPS. What do you think some of the best methods for actually capturing uh, the the survey information, the voice of the customer, would be?
1: Right. Okay, so first of all, surveys, and we do them. So we, we think um, that good surveys are an invaluable instrument, right? So both g- good surveys. It has to be um, connecting. It has to be bias-free. And the information needs to be analyzed in scientific ways. So um, a survey is one way to collect great information, But thinking outside of the box, uh, we think customer interviews are tremendously valuable. So that's where you have the one-on-one, usually over the phone, but sometimes out of a store, outside of a store, or in another kind of situation. But that one-on-one interview uh, is tremendously valuable because what that interview does is, uh, and oftentimes they're recorded with our company, they're almost always recorded, um uh because that's what our clients are looking for but with that audio recording you're able to then show the client exactly how the words that the customer uses more about how the customer actually feels it allows the customer to sort of riff kind of like we're riffing chef mm-hmm. it it allows the it really allows the um allows the voice of the customer to emerge so that those interviews, which can be more free form and um, allow for more possibility, allow for the customer to talk about things that maybe you didn't know were important.
0: But that's right? all subjective and not objective.
1: Well, the thing is that if you do enough interviews, it becomes objective because reoccurring themes do emerge.
0: Okay. So if you
1: just do a handful of them, it's kind of like the focus group. To your point, chap, it's it gets into kind of like that narrative, subjective realm, but if you do enough of them, it actually gives you quantifiable data.
0: Okay, I like it. I like it, and uh, yeah. So you like the the, the interview uh, method, the right surveys, and you know, when's the right time to talk to a customer? How how recent? Uh, uh, like, it, it, is it wait a day, wait a week? What's the best timing?
1: Very. <laughs> very recent yeah, because customers don't think about you that much. I mean, so many of these surveys, Shep, are written as though, like, the customers, like, all they do is think about you. Mm-hmm. They really don't. <laughs> they don't think about you. So, uh, so it's, <laughs> so it's got to be recent, and it's got to be about the, the point at hand right, like you've just spoken to the associate, that's a great time to do like a a survey just about that associate interaction Mm -hmm. or you've just bought a product, you've just left the store, that's a good time to to hit the customer up with their their thoughts about that experience. Um, I I guess I did want to add a couple of other techniques that are really helpful. So there's the intelligence surveys, there's the customer interviews, audio recorded preferably, um, there's also uh, mining open-ended comments so all too often we think about the survey as that series of multiple choice questions as in net promoters or how likely are they to scale zero to ten um, but there's also mining those open-ended comments so what could we have done better how do we compare to our competition who is our competition what do they do well all mining that those comments, and I don't mean just using software to pull up a word cloud, but actually using research intelligence to go through and code those comments and then turn that into um, data that can be analyzed, that's very, very powerful evidence because, again, you're getting out of your preconceptions about what you think is important to the customer and getting into the true voice of the customer right does that make sense
0: that makes total sense makes total sense yeah yeah
1: yeah also you mentioned somebody uh, one of one of your interviewees talked about mystery shopping we think mystery shopping done well um, which for us is persona based so it's not not all shoppers come in with the same objectives so being really clear about what their objectives are what their personality traits are um, and doing mystery shopping shopping using those personas. That's a very powerful way to, to get information about how companies are really performing uh, with their with their customers. Um, so that's that can be a valuable tool right. and it along be, with mining the open end.
0: Right. And I yep. think when you go after what you're just talking about and you change the persona of the customer in a mystery shopping experience, you see how well your people are trained to deal with different types of customers. It's not just about being nice and helpful. It's about knowing what to say and who to say it to based on, um, you know, the type of shopper you're dealing with. Somebody that knows a lot versus somebody that asks a lot of questions, somebody that's social, somebody that's uh, just there on a mission. Uh, Lots of ways to do this. Well, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to ask you the one thing question that I ask at the end of almost every interview, and that is, is there one thing that you want to emphasize that you've talked about Or is there something you haven't shared with us that you say, you know what, I I just really really love for these people to hear this? What is the answer to that?
1: I would say customer experience really matters. And the best ways to make efficient change are with actionable data, um, smart data, uh, objective data, Uh, So if you have those kinds of standards in place with your customer experience program, you're weighting the odds that you're going to have success with your customer experience transformation. And in terms of a resource that I would point your listeners to, it would be our customer listening study, which we released at the end of 2016, um, and it's on on our homepage. Uh, and it it, it uh, shows how these top retailers, Apple, Target, Walmart, did with the quality of their customer surveys. And I think it's a really interesting read and has some interesting pointers about how to do a better survey. So that sort of reading between the lines is not just, gee, how did Target do, but reading into it is, well, what, what ideas can, can I glean from what Target did and didn't do well? that could be applied to my own survey. All
0: right, outstanding information. And tell us what your website is.
1: Okay, so it's Interaction, like we're having an Interaction uh-huh. Metrics, like the number, M-E-T-R-I-C-S, InteractionMetrics.com.
0: All right, InteractionMetrics.com. I know uh, it, for those that are driving, Pull over before you get out your phone and start Googling or or (laughs) opening up the website. But for those that are sitting there at their desk listening to this, make sure you go to interactionmetrics.com. This is a great tool, uh, not just to see uh, insightfully great information about how a company is doing, but like you said, read between the lines. Find out what questions are good, what questions work. Martha, you have been outstanding. Uh, you're a guru. And whenever we talk to gurus, I get so excited. And I, has anybody called you a guru lately?
1: Uh, yeah, once in a while I, I do get that, that guru <laughs> word. Yeah. Well, you,
0: you are. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Martha Brooke, the Chief Customer Experience Analyst and founder at uh, Interaction Metrics. And interactionmetrics.com is where we're going to find that listening, customer listening study. I urge you to read it and listen mostly to your inner self as you interpret the information you have. My name is Chef Hyken. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.